Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it on cnjradio.com or you're subscribed on iTunes and leaving a review, never missing one single show. I really appreciate everybody out there. Uh, I'll get to your emails and comments uh, on the next episode. I'm, I'm going to say that. I'm going to go ahead and say that now uh, because much like the last episode, we're talking about the Us Festival. If you're still with us, no disrespect to my co-hosts, but that was a crazy fun show, now wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, and of <laughs> course, there you go. There is Logan right there. Say hey hello, there. Logan. Hey, what's going on? All right, Logan, you're back after another couple of days because after the first part, it's like, yeah, that was that was it. We hit the wall. That was that was pretty pretty massive. Yeah. Yeah, it was like going to a festival day. And then just be like, you know what, I I don't have any energy to talk metal now for another <laughs> hour and a half. Recoup. Yeah. Get a little bit of rest. A little bit of recoup. So Logan was nice enough to come back a couple of days later. And now we're uh, on part two of our Us Festival retrospective, 1983, the 30th anniversary. Of course, the most famous day now in, in retrospect is the Heavy Metal Day. Not the Country Day, but the Heavy Metal Day. Yeah, just slightly not the Country Day, right? Just slightly. And uh, that was on a Monday anyway. So yeah. they claimed uh, at at the peak of the gig, three hundred fifty thousand people in attendance. Said you couldn't see the very back of the of the crowd. They yeah, had to, yeah, from that day. Yeah, yeah they mm-hmm. had to fly the bands in via helicopter. Yep, which obviously is a fun uh, little gimmick the promoters do for the bands. You know, like hey, check it out. You know, we'll that put really you on a helicopter. Blood, yeah, it gets your blood boiling, doesn't it? <laughs> and. So a lot of cool things happened that day. A lot of things that elevated certain bands, and I think only there was. I think most of the bands that played that day were kind of on their way up. Maybe somebody like Triumph might have been at their peak at this point and kind of on their way down. But I yeah, think that's they, probably about it. Everybody I think else, they still had they still had a couple of records in them. They did that yeah. that were commercially successful. Yeah, and and. You know, I like Triumph, so I'm not hating on them or anything. Not at but all. I think everybody on here went up after this. So it was a very important gig uh, for, and especially for these first two bands that were very much upstarts in the scene, even yeah. though, they, you know, long time club gigging bands on the Sunset Strip and playing a lot of the same house parties, even the same kind of parties that the headliner that night uh, would play. And right. I, I've read those stories. Uh, uh, we talked about how uh, I read this in the Van Halen book that Ian Christie wrote. Everybody wants okay. some, which if you haven't read it, is a great read. And they were talking about those house parties that they played oh, yeah. back in the late 70s, mid to late 70s. And even the rivalries, like the ones that Dave sparked even more so with The Clash, uh-huh. uh, were they, they were out and about uh, with even that scene of the house party days. Because apparently Dave would get up on stage after a couple, <laughs> let's a, say twelve. A, a, I was going to say a couple times, a couple of dozen, <laughs> a couple of dozen, yeah. And one of his <laughs> one of his uh, consistent jokes on stage was apparently was, "Hey, what do you call a party with no guests? A quiet riot party." Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, wow. <laughs> but you know, in, in a certain, I'd say Van Halen still had the last laugh there, but. There's one thing that you can never take away from Quiet Riot is that they were the first quote unquote heavy metal band to have a number one number record. Number one. Yep. And also, I'd say on even keel of historical significance, the first forty five 
ever owned by this guy over here. Oh, was it really? Was a Quiet Riot record. Huh. Come on, feel the noise. No, yeah. I had that. That was the first 45 that was mine, you know. What did it knock off? Was it was it Michael Jackson? or Yeah, no, it actually no. did. No, it did knock it off Michael Thriller. Was it Michael Jackson? Because Thriller yeah. was number one forever for, for, for years. Like the previous 10 years. Years before that, yeah. and a few, and a few things after he finally beat out Carol King. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> record store joke. Sorry. No, that's fine. No, we, I love record store jokes. <laughs> you know, a few albums would come in here and there and beat Thriller, but then Thriller yeah. would get the spot right back. Yeah. So you know, Def Leppard saying we didn't go number one because of Michael Jackson. Well, you know, hey man, Quiet Riot went number one during Michael Jackson. Right. So hey, that's kind of weird to think. Yeah, that Pyromania. I'm not going to go break. on a tangent well, because yeah, Pyromania, Pyromania not breaking through over Thriller. Huh? <laughs> that that's rough. That's kind of weird. In the same year that Metal Health came out, but then Quiet Riot did. Yeah. Huh. You know, I mean, the radio play. I mean, the radio play for Come On, Fill the Noise must have been that monstrous that it over. I mean, because radio, yeah, cause, uh, had an influence on the album charts. This wasn't sound scan days. Yeah, well, so, no, no. So the more radio play you have. I mean, the more likely you are to have a number one. So, I mean, huh. Come On, Feel the Noise had to have been getting more spins it on had to top been, 40 radio right. than, let's say, Rock of Ages or Foolin did. <sighs> that's Because they're going to be played more on AOR rock stations, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, that's just my theory. I mean, I was just... It's just weird to think, actually. I, I mean, was just coming into my conscience, right. you know, of, like, memory. I was literally four years old. Oh. And I'm not trying to date you or anything. No, but, that's fine. But my first 45... You can date my I, sister. I gotta say, this is my Quiet Riot memory. I never got to see them live, sadly enough. I know you told me. I, yeah, I never did either. Yeah, and I'm still kicking myself in the ass for not going to see the Metal Health lineup like in 2000 for Rock Never Stops, but I did get to meet Rudy Sarzo. Oh, that's cool. Rudy, this is when I went out. This is so This is so nerdy. This is almost more nerdy than going to a concert. Went out to trees in the middle of the day. Uh, it was gonna be an Ingve show, and <laughs> Did opening he play up, for Ingve? and opening up was Lynch Mob. Oh, okay. But I think Rudy actually was playing bass for Ingve that night. Was he? So, uh, went out with that guy that we knew at the record store. There was a big George Lynch nerd, you know, and uh, and we went out there and we met George. Mm-hmm. George was a nice guy. Was he cool? Yeah, he was totally yeah. cool. Yeah. He's I've met George two or three times now, and he's super cool. Any karate moves? No, but okay. he's always wearing flip flops and he's super tan. Yeah, but nothing wrong with that. He doesn't the have the fro- Ham- he doesn't have the frosted tips anymore either, yeah. does he? The, the George Hamilton of metal. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw Rudy and I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, like I kind of did. I kind of forgot. I guess he was going right. to be out there. Short I hair. Rec- he's 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 about my height. No short hair. Oh, short hair. No long hair. It's still long hair. Okay. Yeah, I still Just got the photo. Sure. I should put it up on the oh, you should. page. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I immediately recognized Rudy. I was like, holy crap. I was like, Rudy Sarzo. I was like, hey, can I bother you for a second? And he's like, no, it's totally cool. You know, I just got here and, uh, you know, we got time. And uh, I was like, hey. And just like I just said to you, Logan, I literally word for word said this. I don't mean to date you, but <laughs> the first 45 I ever owned that was mine was Come On, Feel the Noise. And that was very important to me. And you played a big part uh, mm. and still do. Mm-mm-mm. But I got to tell Rudy that. So now I've gotten to tell my first 45 and my first full length. I've gotten to tell those people that, hey, you were the first record I ever had. Right, yeah. So D. Snyder, D. Rudy Snyder. Sarzo. Yeah. So that was a good moment for me, and he was super nice. Like I said, great picture, actually. And yeah. I even don't look bad in the picture. That's how good the picture is. <laughs> so there you go. That's all I got for, for Quite Right. I was a big Quite Right fan. I even, I, I'll even go up and defend Quite Right 3, you know? That's how much of a fan Bold. I am. Bold. 
bold. I can't defend anything post that as a top to bottom must own, but they, you know, they had some moments here and there on wax that mm. I, I enjoy. So I've always, of course, because of the 45, I've always had that soft spot for Quiet Riot. Had Metal Health on cassette, wore yeah. that out. Did you have Metal? Did, were you a Metal Health owner? Uh, I did have. Is that that had Black Cadillac, right? Yes, like Black Cadillac. Because yeah. I, I remember that song for oh, some man. reason the most. Yeah, I love that. That's probably my favorite song. Is it really? <laughs> might, might be. Because I wasn't even going to say it wasn't even like my favorite song, but yeah. for some reason I remember that. But I, because my my only memory is I had the cassette and I went on some family picnic with my dad's job, yeah. and I sat there all day and just listened to Metal Health. Yeah, and it's weird because it's one of those things on my Walkman. Nice. Yeah. And it's one of those weird things where if you if you go back and listen to it now, the order is not going to be the same because the vinyl and the now CD reissue, uh, the order is different than the cassette. I didn't know that. It's back when they used to kind of mix the songs around for space. Right. So, like, side A wasn't as long as side B or vice versa, huh. so they'd had to switch the cassette order around. Okay. And that happened quite a few times, actually, and that yeah. was one of the examples. So I remember when I bought the CD mm-hmm. years later when Legacy put it out again, I was like, this isn't this isn't the right order that I remember it in. <laughs> I'm used to Battle Axe into Slick Black Cadillac. Right. And now on the CD, it's like Battle Axe into Let's Go Crazy. It's just weird. That's weird. But a great record. I mean, it is it's it is a pop metal classic. It, Should we say a hair metal classic? No, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> we had that discussion earlier. That's yeah. a totally other... Yeah. That's neither here nor there. But I think that record is... is I don't think there's any filler on it, and that's just my opinion. But I yeah. mean, I think the whole record's great. Don't want to let you go. Great, great song. Thunderbird. Thunderbird, the Randy Rhodes tribute. Yeah, I mean, everything on that album is great. Breathless and Let's Go Crazy and Run for Cover. Those are heavy, heavy songs. Yeah. So that's a good lineup. Uh, you know, Carlos Cavazos. That's oh, yeah, it, right? Great. Yeah. Okay. And I even I, I always be, thought I was slaughtering that name for years. No, no, Carlos Cavazos is dead on. As you can see behind you, I got that great. Oh yeah, Kevin yeah, that's Bro, right. Carlos Cavazzo poster. Yep. which it's also the in flying the, uh, V. Yeah, the flying V photo. That's yeah. the. That's also you could see that photo in the insert of the first Weezer album. So it's oh hanging on their uh, rehearsal space. Really. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm enough of a Quiet Riot fan that I'm a bigger Rat fan now that Carlos is yeah. in the band. Oh yeah, because I've always liked Rat a lot, but getting Carlos. Getting to come Carlos in the band, was. I mean, you, that, that, what a great move! Yeah, totally for for everybody involved. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree. Yeah, they sound great with them. So, uh, going back to the Us Festival, apparently Quiet Riot didn't even know they were going to play until like maybe like a week before, apparently, or yeah. something like that, because Motley was supposed to open originally. Yeah, but uh, they you were telling me that. Yeah, somebody made some move and you know uh, finagled Quiet Riot onto the bill, which is great because they because well, and the album had just been number one like maybe a month or two before. Yeah, that we were trying to find that out because I had thought that Mental Health didn't even come out like until after the S Festival, but you actually confirmed that it came yeah, out a couple it was, of months. It was like before. out in March. Yeah. From but, from my research that I've done. Yeah, but I I I almost can say for sure that it didn't go number one until after the S Festival. Well, because they always say that the exposure they got from that helped them go to go number one. So unless it's revisionist history, you know. Yeah, well but, it's uh, let's see. It not actually. You know what? It knocked off the police. Is what 
the oh. Wikipedia, so it wasn't Michael Jackson. Wow, synchronicity. Synchronicity. Okay. Very That's cool. why I was like, was it Michael Jackson? I mean, because, you know, that yeah. record was back and forth at being yeah. number one. For sure. Forever. Yeah. I'm sure it's somewhere And I forgot that the police three. synchronicity was... Um, oh, massive. Well, I mean, no. I, I remember it being a huge, huge deal, but yeah. it was it, it, it was a big, a, a big album for a, a, quite a long time. So, yeah. hey, uh, you know, I'm still not going to sneeze at being able to knock out the police synchronicity. Yeah, even even that. So, yeah, I, I think that it didn't go number one until after the S Festival appearance and getting all that extra publicity for being on it. MTV aired footage from it. I know, like, Showtime aired it later on also or something like that. But here you go, man. This is one of the first things that anybody heard that day. I'm sure people just showing up to the show. It's like, who is this band with this crazy lead singer that is just <laughs> screaming so much, I, I swear, like like its throat's going to give out at any second. But, uh, you know, I, I just recently watched the DVD again because it's one of the only things officially released from the US Festival. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a fun watch. They're not, yeah. you know, they're not super tight or anything, but they're up there having fun and they're rocking out. So uh, I figured it's apropos to play this. It's a great kickoff song. This is an actual track from the US Festival. This is the title track from the album Metal Health, also, of course, called Bang your head. Bang your head. There you go. I've got a question for you. We came back home to do one thing in particular. One sort of music that is indigenous to people who know what it's all about. Do you know what kind of music that might be? Might that be a bit of metal? Well, if we got some real headbangers here today... I want to know, I mean, I want to feel it. I want to feel your throat. When I count to three, I want you guys to scream so loud that your throats are gonna bleed. One, two, three. Well, Rudy, how was that? Can they do it better? Mr. Rudy says you can do it better. Come on, you headbangers, if you really want some metal, I want you to scream it so loud, there's gonna be blood curdling on your veins. One, two, three. One, two, three. You want metal, you got it. Metal help.
version there from the us festival quite right opening up the show there so uh as as we tend to do here especially when logan's on the show i could talk to <laughs> logan all day and we're gonna do something we rarely do on rock strikes tim we're gonna pad the show with some double shots Ooh. uh for two reasons like i said number one still we, 10 songs it's still 10 songs uh we we can talk but also number two there was only seven bands that played yeah. it, uh, on heavy metal day i would have if you'd have asked me before I did any kind of research, I would have sworn there was probably a dozen bands, but yeah. I guess just these seven. It's weird. But uh, the next band that came out uh, was a little-known band at the time that had only put out one full-length record. Just got backing support of Elektra for it, yeah. and that was Motley Crue, because Too Fast for Love came out. Uh, independently on their own label, Leather Records. Leather, yeah. And then Electra signed them because they had such a buzz, and they... They re-released that record right away? They re-released and remixed it. And uh, okay. the order is different, much, <laughs> much Okay, like right. about Metal Health. Yeah. They changed the order, and they remixed it quite a bit. If you go back and listen to the Leather Mix versus the Electra Mix, it's very different. Yeah. If you want the Leather Mix, you can get it on the Music to Crash Your Car by Volume 1 box by Motley Crue. Because they actually have both records on there. Hey, it's right here. Yeah, it's right here. Exactly. Somewhere. Yeah, I just it. saw it. There it is. Yeah. yeah, there yeah. It is. And that got the full album. It's a full album. It's on full that? albums on the box set. Okay. It's, it's everything. Okay. Like, they haven't put out volume three, even though they have enough for it. But it's everything, every B side, every yeah. whatever live yeah. track that they could find. And uh, yeah, it's a great set if you're a fan. Cruology. Uh, yeah, it should have been. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry. Crudological. Oh. Uh, anyway. Bogging. <laughs> so, 
so it's weird because I just finally watched the full set from the US Festival the other day by Motley Crue. Motley Crue. And it's interesting because the, the footage I watched actually was really good. It was definitely made by a fan because it had like little bumpers like for the intro of the show with the Motley logo and the pentagram coming I'd out. I'd even say that whenever they were starting the film and, and the lady was out there going, everybody needs to move back. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> Don't eat the brown acid. Right, right. But but her her walk away. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was a Motley Crue fan. Yeah, go back and yeah, <laughs> go back and find go find the footage where you see the Too Fast for Love logo at the top of the show, and you see that woman telling people to move back. As soon as she walks away from the stage, the cameraman immediately pans down and shoots her ass all the way off stage. Walking right off the stage. That was that, that was perfect. <laughs> Hey, it's a Motley Crue fan. Yeah, it's setting the pace for a Motley set here. <laughs> and it's weird because they're playing like literally an early afternoon. Yeah. And it, they're in their like between first and second album get ups. They now, were definitely in shout out the devil mode yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Pentagrams on the drum heads. Yeah. No tattoos. Zero. St- still super skinny. Poor. Skinny as hell, yeah. Skinny. They 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 must have been on liquid diets. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh yeah, it was a fun set and Uh, it's interesting because they were playing stuff off of Shout the Devil and Shout the Devil wouldn't come out for another couple of months. Yeah, September. Yeah, so about half the set was that. So if you're a fan of really early Motley, definitely go watch this set because there's nothing past the first two albums on this set. So it's pretty cool to see. You get to see them play obscure songs they never ever played live again like Merry-Go-Round. Bastard. Bastard is on there. That's that's very much a highlight of that set. That's probably my favorite song on that set. I was going to say. And uh, sadly, uh, I, you know, there's there's not a ton of live Motley records out there, and someone say for good reason because as the years go on, Vince Neil is not such the live singer. But you know, early on he was still going for it. So, uh, I, and like I said, I am limiting the <laughs> songs that we play here on this particular episode to songs that were actually played that day. So uh, on the live entertainment or death record, I got a couple of songs from this era recorded in 1983. I okay. haven't went that hard on it. So, are you ready for a Motley double shot? Logan? Let's hear it. Uh, who are you, what songs? What songs were that? I figured we're gonna go play a little piece of your action. That's a good one. And then finish up with Helter Skelter. Nothing wrong with that. So here you go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
That was the boys and Motley Crue with PC Reaction, followed by Helter Skelter. That audio is from the live Entertainment or Death Record. I was actually at the taping for some of that because it's over the years compiled, compiled. from different performances. So one of the nights they taped, I was actually at. It was like December 98 at the Bronco Bowl. And the 10 Seconds to Love on there is definitely the show I was at. Or was it? And also, I think Girls, Girls, Girls. A couple of things oh. on the second disc, but it was kind of cool. What year was that? Uh, they taped that show December 98. Okay. But a lot of the first disc is from Westwood One radio feeds from oh, like right. 82, 83, 85. So it's, it's an interesting collection. It's definitely a snapshot, but the second disc is more stuff that was done in the latter years yeah like i was at that show yeah. so it was kind of cool like i haven't been to too many tapings that were used for film or concert later on yeah live albums so that was one of the few the other only one i could think of that i was out for was uh metallica's cunning i don't stunts. think i have any you don't have any at all i don't think so really oh um but speaking of helter skelter and motley live shows i was totally reminded of this just now uh i've seen motley quite a few times they're probably like the second or third they're top five for you. Most seen band that I've seen, for sure. Yeah. Uh, after Kiss, of course. And Alice. But I think it was this particular show. When I saw Motley play on the Generation Swine Arena Tour, which they actually did do an arena tour, believe it or not. For, for that? Yeah, they played at Starplex for Karabi? that tour. No, it wasn't Karabi. That was when Vince got back. Oh, okay. Them. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I did see them with Karabi at the Starplex. It I remember. Just, it didn't sell all that great, but no. uh, but it was a it was a fun day. It was a very interesting bill. But uh, <laughs> seeing them on the Swine Tour, Vince got back with them, and it was a really well done show. The stage show was great, and you know it was a decent amount of people out there. Cheap Trick opened up, by the way. Oh, that was that that's was weird. Cool. That was weird, but interesting. But apparently, they did shows with each other on the Theater of Pain tour as well. Huh. So, if not the last song they played that night was actually Helter Skelter, and the thing that was really bumming me out during that show was there was some drunk dude that was standing on the seats. And he was really tall, too. So he obscured like 50% of my vision for most of the <laughs> night. There were some instances where he'd start slipping off the chair, and he would get off the chair, but then he'd get right back up again when there was a song he liked that came on. So it was a real beating. I'm sure everybody's, yeah. been, everybody's been there where there's some jackass standing on the seats. Like, don't stay on the seat. It's hard enough to see in a shed, dude. Seriously. <laughs> so, whenever Motley started playing Helter Skelter, I guess something inside of him, like the, the, the switch flipped, and he just passes out. He literally <laughs> falls backwards into the row behind him, like hits his head ouch, ouch. on uh, one of the hard plastic seats on his way down. Yeah, those were... Those were hard, hard plastic seats. And get a load of this, because you know this is like five rows in front of me. Get a load of this. Nobody, nobody <laughs> helps his ass up. He just stays there. He's passed out for the rest of the show. Wow. I, he, hell, I don't know if he died, but wow. but I just remember that happening. Like as soon as the downbeat came for Helter Skelter, just passed the f out, and he never got back up. I never saw him get back up. Ready for this? Let's hear it. While you were speaking, I was doing research theater pain. Yeah. What you're talking about. Yeah. Here in Dallas, whenever they played in 1985, because I remember. And that was where they filmed the That's where they filmed Home Sweet Home. Yeah. And, I mean, I I didn't go to that, but the other two-thirds of my school did. Yeah, probably. Opening that show was Y&T and Loudness. Wow. Yeah. 
Ah, so that's interesting. I thought, man, did Cheap Trick open up for Motley Crue here in '85? Yeah, that would. I mean, interesting, yeah. I mean, Cheap Trick was had had kind of slid down a lot at that point. And yeah, they were I know. Putting out albums that weren't selling all that great, so they were gonna getting getting a Motley Crue tour at that time would have been. Hey, big that, for you them. know that that's a good that's a good get. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For you know, kind yeah. of in a way to say, yeah, but because I remember like reading an interview with Tommy Lee saying that he would go up to the guys in Cheap Trick when they would open up a few shows for him. And yeah. at that time he goes, dude, this is wrong. You should be playing after us. Like, yeah. I mean, he would go up and say that. Yeah. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed those songs. Good stuff. They were my actual first album really? that I bought. Oh, Shout the Devil? Shout out the Devil was. Because I wanted to get, and I, <laughs> Tell we've, the story. we've I love shared it. this story before. Yeah. I wanted to get Number of the Beast. But being in the mostly semi-religious household, it was hard to bring in a, an actual album cover because this was full-on LP. But wait a second. you, you That's your reason, rationale for not getting Number of the Beast, but isn't there a giant pentagram on the cover of Shout the Devil? But it was from a distance <laughs> showing <laughs> showing my, my, my mom, you know... This is the album I'm going to get. Well, from a distance, you can only see the pentagram if you hold it just right in the light. You tilt it up to you, the... You got to tilt it a little bit <laughs> because it's... I don't want to say it's embossed, but it's... The fluorescent, like, Kmart lights or whatever? Yes, you know, something like that. But, you know... And all she could see was that it said... It was a black cover that said mm-hmm. Motley Crue in in red and Shout at the Devil in red. And that's it. Just the test pressing. Yeah, it, it, you I know. Mean, it's, it's just black. And so, but the, the, the worst part was whenever I got it home, it was a warped record. Oh. And so, I got sort of through the side one before I was like totally defeated. What must in the beginning sound like when the record's warped? Yeah, it was... <laughs> I mean, you thought... If, if parents thought the music was quote-unquote satanic, you yeah. hadn't heard it until you heard the warped version of it. <laughs> because it was bad. Yeah, man. I, and like I said, I was trying to fight through it, you know, yeah. exhibiting a tremendous amount of denial. Yeah. No, oh. this record is not warped. No, it's not warped. That's the worst. It was a roaring, you know. I mean, really, it, the, the next I ended up having to take it back, and they weren't, they, oh, we're not going to have any in for another couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I'm kind of stalling because I, the next band on the bill is Triumph, and not that I don't like Triumph, like I said, but I just don't have I have nothing to say about Triumph. I know Ugh. nothing about them. You have I, nothing on Triumph? Well, no, I just, I, I, I don't know enough about them. I know they're Canadian, and I know they're a power trio, <laughs> and that's about it. And uh, I know they, they, they had the third slot at the Us Festival playing after Motley, and it's one of the only officially released things from Us Festival. You can get the CD and DVD of the Triumph sets if you're a big fan. Logan, now, do you have you, anything to add on Triumph? Well, you, uh, you know, Triumph was... Previous to my high school years, Triumph was a big band in uh, my high school, and they were one of those bands that people stopped down. They were a class song for one of when the 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 classes like four or five years ahead of me. Really? Yeah, because I always get this kick about you know asking people, "Hey, what was your class song?" Yeah. You know, it's just one was of those it? snapshots. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, they they were doing Texas jams and stuff like that. That that class, I think their song was Magic Power or something like that. Yeah. From what, two? No, actually, about 
a record before it. Allied Forces is what? Because this would have been for... This Us Festival show would have been for Never Surrender. Okay. So, and that's just me looking stuff up real quick, so... But yeah, Never Surrender was 1983. That and, was 83. that was the one they were mm-hmm. promoting for sure. Right. So, yeah. And honestly, I mean, I, I, I think they were a pretty big enough band. They had already had laid on the line by now, and... Um, I think Fight the Good Fight's the one I know. Fight the, the Good Fight. Yeah, so. uh, Thunder Seven, the album that would come out in '84. I remember that being a really big record for these guys. Okay. Yeah. It had that Tears in the Rain or something like that. I yeah, think that was just, the name of the song. Just looking on here, uh, U.S. certified three gold records, one platinum for Allied Forces. Uh, so. Yeah. Oh, Spellbound. That was that was a song. Follow Your Heart was on. <laughs> of course, we're getting a, a an album ahead, but. Yeah, but uh, these guys were no slouches. No, not at all. And, they, uh, they had some good stuff, and I, I think they were kind of underrated. They sounded great. They were going after it, yeah. for sure. So, um, I, like I said, one of the only other officially released pieces of material from the S Festival. Yeah. You can get it, uh, the CD, DVD of the Triumph set, so it, it's not a bad get at all. And uh, since you said, out of the songs that you know the most by Triumph, I think I'm going to go with your pick here, Logan. Oh. So here's Triumph, live at the US Festival, with Lay It It On on The the line. Line.
right, there you go. That was Triumph with Lay It on the Line from the Us Festival. I like finding actual audio from the show. It makes sense since we're actually talking sure. about it. But uh, listening to that, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to download that song to play it on the show. And, you know, I buy my stuff legit. And uh, I did download the one song for this. But I got to say, I'm after that performance, I, I kind of want to get the whole thing now. Yeah. I'm uh, not even kidding. Triumph, Triumph was... They, yeah. they were... Kind of big. Man, he sounds really good on that. Rick like, Emmett. Yeah. Rick Emmett oh. is, uh, I mean, from what I hear, he's he's still, he still has it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not Zebra, but, you know, hey. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, little old band from Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, <laughs> uh, impressed this host today. So, all right. I always like to fight the good fight, of course. But, uh, uh, moving on here. Uh, and... It's probably hard for some people to believe this, but the act that followed Triumph was definitely still in the process of... Recovering. Recovering and kind of rebuilding his (laughs) brand. Even after putting out two amazing solo albums, just kind of started to get that groundwork going on because really the third album was the one that really catapulted him back into the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, You know, and not that we're talking about Ozzy Osbourne, uh, not that Ozzy probably wasn't getting some airplay on those first two records, but, you know, it's it was kind of a slow build, and history doesn't really tell it that way because those albums are so good. There's no denying those records, but they didn't set the world on fire like you think they did. Uh, you know, I wasn't even around much for that, but, you know, I even know that that's really not the case. I mean, you were around for the two yeah. Ozzy records. What was Ozzy? Was he in your uh, conscience yeah. as a music Yeah, fan? I mean, like, actually, it was... I, I remember seeing... At the record stores, even back in '82 or so, '81, '82. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when did when did Speak of the Devil? That was that well, was a live album, though. Yeah, well, Blizzard Where, of Oz was with, like with 80, the real 81. gruesome, you know. Yeah, you know. So like, Blizzard, but like Blizzard of Oz, Blizzard of Oz I think like that 80, was '81, and then um, Diary of a Madman was like '81, '82. It and was then Speak of it the was '80, and then Speak of Diary the Devil of a Madman. Yeah. was 81. But did did you have those records? Did oh, your no. friends have those records? Yeah, but it was one of those things to where a lot of... The the time frame that happened to me at at this point was a lot of us were, were first kids. Mm-hmm. There were very, very few of us that had contact with, you know, the quote-unquote older, older kids. Right. So we didn't have... We didn't really have anybody that had, you know, even Diary of a Madman in '82. Yeah. Um, it was we wouldn't get those records until at least '84. Yeah. Whenever Bark of the Moon. W- yeah. Well, me. I mean, yeah, but Bark of the Moon was really kind of. It might have been our first full album touch yeah. with Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they didn't make videos for the first two records. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I guess you're right. And that came along exactly when MTV came along. So not having videos, I think, actually probably hurt those it, records. It might have, but you know, just just in the in in the group circle of friends that I had, you know, music video music MTV was the the, the way to to see stuff. Yeah. And then, but it was also it also helped to have that older brother or sister or whoever that had yeah. the record. Yeah. You know, I had an older cousin who had Sticks Paradise Theater. Right. Yawn, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, that wasn't that wasn't my thing. Yeah. I, I, e- even back then. Yeah, yeah. But you know, as soon as you hear the opening riffs of, you know, 
bark at the moon. Yeah. You, I, as as thirteen year old me. Yeah. You automatically pay attention. Yeah, that was big for me. I remember really liking "Bark at the Moon" the song when it came out. Yeah. But I was five, and the video scared right. the shit out of me. I had nightmares over. Oh, did the, you really? Over the chase. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean. It's so hokey Don't now catch to think Aussie. About yeah, exactly. I'm like, run. Don't catch where Aussie. I have no idea that where Aussie was Aussie. <laughs> right. I had no idea that <laughs> that was going on. Yeah. Oh, and I I wish I could, I really wish I could remember the name of the record store that we had in Baton Rouge, because there was two that we used to go to. Peaches? I don't know, man. But I can tell you one thing for sure. There was this little one that we used to go to, and I loved it. It was a little, like, in a strip mall kind of thing in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah. But then there was this other, like, big store, and it was so big, like, I could get lost in it. Like, you know, like big I... Big record store? Yeah, it was yeah. this massive record store, like this, like... I remember a couple of Supermarket-sized record store. Where you're store. just like, whoa. Yeah, and once again, I'm five. Yeah. So it's probably not as big as I remember it being. Right. But what I do remember is that the ceiling was at least 20 to 30 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And there is like P.O.P. Yeah. posters and little flats of Bark at the Moon from top to, to bottom. bottom. Wow. And it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so my first impression of Ozzy is exactly what he wanted probably. Right. Was like to scare the shit out of me. You, but, and, your, you and your parents. Yeah. But it left, su- it left such an impression. And even the cover of Speak of the Devil where he's Got those raisins coming out of his mouth or whatever. Yeah, because that that was that was my first. I think probably my first visual of Ozzy yeah. was him, you know, going Ehh. yeah on Speak of the Devil. Yeah, but it's a, it was such a big deal. Like you know, the, the album covers just left this ingrained impression. Right. Because I even like at that age, I was going to that little record store and flipping through the Iron Maiden section all the yeah. time because I was like, this this is so weird looking. Right. You know, just oh yeah, it's just such a magical time but anyway well yeah i mean it 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 fed into everything that that was part of part of my world you know the 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 sort of creepy fangoria yeah and then all of a sudden your parents don't like that yeah and then you you might have finally got to hear it it's you know from somebody and then you just go whoa yeah what what is that because all you heard was elvis or you know your dad. Alabama. Yeah, your, your dad. Your dad picked up the Alabama eight track or something like that. Yeah. And you know, not. I I, I don't want to poo poo on any of no, all that no, right no, now, no, but no, you know, because some people still like that. And that's cool. Yeah, but I guess. But yeah, yeah, that was. But this is even a weird time for Ozzy because you know Randy. Yeah. Uh, it's it's been about a year since Randy passed, almost like a year and a half actually, and. They'd already done the Brad Gillis thing, and he finally found the new guitar player. So the Us Festival was the first gig that Jakey e. Lee played with Ozzy, and it was still there's still quite a few months from Bark at the Moon coming out, and I went and looked it up. I'm like, you know, I know Triumph played close to an hour. They had like a fifty something minute set. Ozzy had like a six song set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and not that some of the songs probably didn't have some some time on it, but it looks like Ozzy only played about forty minutes, just according to his set. You know, and he even still playing a couple of Sabbath songs. I think he played Suicide Solution and 
and uh, Mr. Crowley for sure. Was that the one that had the high keyboard mix? The yeah. keyboard was yeah. really high in the mix. <laughs> yeah, you go back and, and find some of the footage online of Ozzy playing the S Festival, and it's really funny because uh, Don Airy is definitely having a blast. It's like, man, I could really hear me. and I can hear me, and I'm on stage. And he's on stage, not wearing a cloak, because <laughs> it's the middle of the, Everybody's just... Everybody's literally dressed like they just woke up. Like, Jake is the only guy out there that's just like, hey, I'm in a rock and roll band. Right. Ozzy's, like, wearing the shorts. He's, he's been up left. since 5 that morning going, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm freaking out, man. I'm freaking out. Can you imagine? That's your first show. That's You're your first like show. 350,000 people. How old was people. he? God, he was probably, like, 20? 22 or something. 22? Yeah. I believe it. If that. And, and I'm going to play with the guy that was in Black Sabbath. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Ozzy's wearing like the shorts he slept in the night before right. whenever he decided to pass out. They look like Indian chaps. Yeah. yeah is yeah. what they look like. Yeah, they're like tan brown. Yeah, tan brown with fringe. Yeah. And you got uh you got Tommy Aldridge still left over from the uh, Blizzard of Oz touring band. Yeah. And uh who was playing bass? It was uh was it uh Kerslick? No, Kerslick was way gone by then. It was Daisley? I think it's Daisley on that Daisley. on that show. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so Yeah, I think I, I think that I we were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, because he played on Bark at the Moon and, and subsequently uh, Ultimate Sin. And wrote a lot of lyrics for him, to be fair. Uh, but I, I did find something I definitely wanted to play that Ozzy did play that day. And uh, whenever you were saying that this this registered with me, when you finally got to hear it. Yeah. Uh, when I finally got to hear an Ozzy record top to bottom, yeah. it was actually when I went, to, went back to Baton Rouge after I had moved to Abilene and went to see my best friend, Sean George. He had just gotten in the mail that day from Columbia House the Ozzy Osbourne Randy Rhodes tribute live album. So the first thing I ever heard from Ozzy on Wax was that record, and it's still my favorite thing that they've ever put out. Wow. And, the, you know, ha- having no idea what he's even talking about at seven, eight years old. Right. But the intro to this always makes me laugh now. So off of that Randy tribute album, <laughs> and Ozzy's going to intro Flying High again. Yeah. Check it out.
All right, there you go. From uh, that, my top five live albums of all time. Easy. That's Ozzy Osbourne from the Randy Rhodes tribute album, "Flying High Again," originally off of "Diary of a Madman." That's a great song. I never get sick of that song, Logan. No, no, not at all. Yeah. No. So we we saw Ozzy once together live. Uh, you actually pulled like free tickets for Ozfest 2000, like off the radio that day. I remember that. How did I do that? You won them like off the ticket, I think. Or oh, something. did I win those yeah. off the ticket? I think you did. You you, you which is a sports radio station. Yeah, here you called me on the AM. I think you were on your. I was either on my way to work or you were on your way to work or something like that. And you were like, "Hey, dude, I just won Ozfest tickets off the radio." So we were just, like, calling in whoever would have been our closer at the time. Like, we're going to take the rest of the day off. Right. <laughs> it was cool. It was like, it wasn't a great lineup for OzFest that year, but we got lucky because... Saw Pantera. Yeah, we saw we saw Pantera open for Ozzy o- that day. Open for Ozzy. So, that was pretty awesome, Yeah, though. what a great day. I mean, you got to see... I think it, those were the only two that we saw. Yeah, it was. Cause we go back and look and see who was on that show. We literally parked, walked in, and as soon as... We, we kind of, we snuck into about, like, the, the first subsection of Starplex on the left side, I remember that. Yeah. And Pantera took the stage literally five minutes after we got there. So yeah. it was perfect. And that was, the, I think, the second to last show they ever played in Dallas uh, because they did the headline show later. Was it really? Yeah. They, they went out there and they opened up with Hellbound, which Randy actually played on the Synaptic this week. So go oh, yeah. check it out. Yep, there you go. And uh, they had that thing with the fire on the... Uh, the steel logo, and every oh, time yeah. he said Hellbound, the flame just flame went, shot up, and the the 110 degree Starplex became the 150 degree Starplex. Every that was time. that was pretty cool. It just put you out. <laughs> that was really cool. Actually. Ozzy came out, and it was an interesting lineup that night. Uh, you saw a really unique lineup, Logan, because the lineup that night, I want to say, oh, the Ozzy yeah, band playing it... playing lead was Joe Holmes. Oh. Which uh, he came onto the Osmosis tour after he fired Zach, and I wouldn't have known that. And uh, Joe is—I think Joe is probably actually more of a student of Randy's than anybody that Ozzy's ever had. He's—he's he's a very underrated guitar player. And See if I know good. the other two. Okay, I know one of them is. I okay. I I, I know I'm for sure right on Robert Trujillo on bass. Pretty sure he was playing that night. Yeah, and you know because he was he was pretty well in. In, at least part of his touring band. I don't know if he was recording. I no, he hadn't. Re- uh, they, he wasn't doing recordings for him. But he I, didn't I, play until two years I, later. I, on I, back to Earth. I think yeah. I distinctly remember the 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 way that. I mean, because the way that Trujillo just plays yeah. with his bass low, yeah, you know, kind of or, yeah, kind of gang, gangster lean or whatever. Yeah, I mean. No, no, he's, he's, he's got great. a he's got a great style, and I love it. So yeah, I know who played drums that night. And was it that's a Mike fan. Borden? No, Borden was not in the oh, band. Oh man, that's that was going to be my playing drums. I'm going to impress Joey. I knew who was in his band. That was good, but Brian <laughs> Tishy was the drummer. That oh night. yeah, which Brian do you remember Tishy. when he was on the metal show last year? No, and he did the punching bag bit with the drums. No, that 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 was. That's something I've never seen before, but I'm like, mm. that guy's great. He's such a fun show off. Who, he, else, did, who else did he play with? He's played, he, the first time I ever heard him was in Pride and Glory. He was in Zach's Pride and Glory band. <laughs> okay. But then now he's played, you could literally go look up his bio. He's played with everybody. He even played with Whitesnake recently. Uh, he's, he's done a lot of session work, but he is like the guy you call for your band because he's played, I think he's even played with Foreigner recently. And <laughs> like he was like Bonham's of, replacement or whatever in Foreigner. Wow. But he's just played for a ton of... If if a band has played on classic rock radio, Tichy has probably played drums for him at this point. Huh. 
So he and he's a beast, man. He's he's up there with uh he's got chops. So anyway, we saw him. That I nearly day. had it. Yeah, that's okay. And I saw them with Borden <laughs> at Ozfest '99 and '97, also I think. Because yeah, because Mike Borden was playing drums on the makeshift Sabbath reunion in '97 for Ozfest because Ozzy would play a solo set. And then Sabbath would come out with Tony Geezer and then Mike Borden played the drums that night for him. So I saw an interesting Sabbath lineup that you had to have seen Ausfus 97 just to see that lineup. We missed a lot of bad stuff, that's why. Okay, so Logan just found the Ausfus 2000 lineup. What was the lineup that day, Chris? <laughs> uh, this is probably not in order, uh, but... Going from top to bottom of what I'm reading, Ozzy, of course, headline. Pantera was right before him. Right. Also on that day was Kitty. Oh. Uh, Soulfly, which might have been good yeah, in 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they were, they probably played at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Or nothing, something like nothing that. Nothing against Max. So. Uh, Godsmack disturbed Static X. I the holy trinity of things that I stand against. <laughs> Even though I know I know you weren't you a Static X fan. I I liked the second the, Static X record. Oh, okay, actually, I thought you liked than, the first couple. No, I was I actually liked the second one okay. more than anything they ever did. And I'm not going to bag on you like I did back then. That uh, was you know. I was I was that was, was quite thirteen young. years ago, fourteen yeah. years ago. So yeah, yeah. We'll let that. You go. were right about Robert, by the way. He was definitely playing that night with. Aha! Uh-huh. So knew that it. Out. So knew it. Uh, all right. So, shit. after Ozzy, yeah, you, you know, and the other other thing I remember about that show is that they did this really ridiculous gimmick with the water because Ozzy's been oh, always yeah. throwing the buckets of water in there. But he it had was confetti, wasn't it? No, he had... it was like some sort of like vaudeville bit. No, he had this like like almost like roller coaster ride. You know where they strap you in and you're sitting down, your feet dangling out. Oh right. They had one of those made for Ozzy. And it was on the left and right side of the state or something like that. And they put these like gigantic super soakers on him, and he would spread oh, the crowd with right. them. He would get like the yeah. solo section and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just thought that was so hokey. Like it kind of took away from the show, but the set list was great. I remember that because I remember we got to hear all the greats like Mr. Crowley and Suicide Solution and yeah. stuff like that. But uh, it was I, I, I remember get, enjoying it. We got it. to see him together, so I enjoyed. I remember that. enjoying it. We've definitely seen Judas Priest. Yes, we have. Yeah. We saw that great Metal Masters tour. Metal Masters tour, which is a fucking incredible tour. Dude, Testament, Motorhead, Heaven and Hell, and then Priest. And Priest. Wow. Are you glad you went to that now? Dude, I am so glad I went to that. I just remember, I think I told this story on the show before, but I just remember during the solo section of Heaven and Hell, the song Heaven and Hell. Right. Do you remember me, like, just... He just, he just... He just well, like, like four kinda, songs in, aren't we? Yeah, he like nudges me on the shoulder and he just looks at me and he just points. There's Dio and Tony Iommi on the stage and he just goes, "It's the Father." <laughs> oh, it, it was one of those moments where it just hit me. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, this these are the guys that invented <laughs> the music that I love. Yeah, it was it was a great moment. I always remember that. I'll, I'll I'll never forget that too. Yeah, but uh, Priest played that day. I remember they actually played. Uh, kind of an unpopular set, but I really enjoyed a lot of the songs. The, the problem was is that most of the people in the crowd were really just bummed out that they didn't see the previous tour where they played just 
two and a half hours of nothing but hits. Yeah. But they went out there and they were like, you know what, this this lineup is strong enough. We're going to take a few chances. But they were playing stuff like Rock Hard, Ride Free, and uh, I think they even played Between the Hammer and the Anvil from yeah. Painkiller. And so go look up the set list from their Metal Masters got tour. It. They were doing some interesting stuff. Was and that... I like the stuff, but... They were touring also for for Nostradamus. Nostradamus, and they opened up with Nostradamus, like a, like the first song from it. Yeah, but then there was nothing else. But then from there it was nothing that. else like, because thank, the rest of it is. Like, oh, thank God! I mean, just looking at looking at the set list that I have right here. Yeah, hit me. It's uh, started out with Prophecy, then Riding the Metal Gods, Eat Me Alive, Between the Hammer and the Anvil, nice. Devil's Child, Nice, Breaking the Law, Hell Patrol, Dissident Aggressor, Angel. That that's actually also from was that on from Nostradamus. Nostradamus? Yeah. Skip. Uh, the Hellion, Electric Eye. Yeah. Rock Hard, Ride Free. Nice. And then the encore was Hellbent for Leather, Green Manalishi with ah, a two pronged crown. Yes. And then you got another thing coming. Yeah. And, and they they could have played for another hour. Yeah. Yeah. In, in 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 my book. They played but, for about 80 minutes. Yeah, it was, because it was, it's, it's a four It's band. a solid it was a it, well, yeah, the whole day. I mean, yeah. you start with Testament. Yeah. I mean, that's your We walked if right that's your in, opening we, act. We walked right into Over the Wall, yeah. <laughs> right. if, <laughs> like, if Testament is your opening act, yeah. you're oh, in for, for a, a long day. <laughs> a long day for yeah. sure. I remember actually having to cuz like everybody we went with, I think even including you, yeah. me out you, had never seen Motorhead before. Yeah, either. I hadn't. Uh-uh. And the whole time, especially afterwards, I kept going. Now, I, I felt like such a dick because I, I almost think I said it this way. Now, you, you've seen Motorhead, but you really haven't seen Motorhead yet. You got to go see him like in a theater where you're not going to hear for a week after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But it, they still sounded great. They, st- they still sound great, and I, I think I've only seen them yeah, at, totally. at at that same shed where we saw them. Yeah. I mean, that's the only times that I've seen them because they've been packaged on other tours and stuff like that. Yeah. But And I love, there's always a point in their set list where they, they have to play something off the new record. Yeah. And Libby's like, we got a song from the new album here. It's called, let's just say, uh, the, the, the World is Yours. Okay. How many people have it? And it's like, oh, two people. That's great. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he does that every time. Why does he's such a glutton for punishment? Like, why does he need to gain? Why does he need to gauge applause? From sometimes, sometimes he's probably even shouldn't even mention that they have a new record because yeah. honestly, I don't think people care. Yeah, you know what? I do have a funny, but I do story. like their new albums. Oh, their new albums. Yeah, their new albums solid. are still good. They're, if there is a consistent band in, uh, as far as album releases, it's Motorhead. Like in the last twenty years. I think the only album I was slightly disappointed in was like Kiss of Death. So there you go. Well, there Inferno you go. is the one you should get out of the modern era. If you have to pick one album from this modern era of Motorhead, get freaking Inferno, man. But here's my funny Motorhead story. I don't think I've actually told this on the show, so forgive me if I have. Do but I know, I know I haven't told you this. Okay. So when I went to Mayhem last summer in Oklahoma City. Oh, right. And we had a little backstage bit going mm-hmm. on, and uh, yep. we actually got to go in catering, and then the there was like this little camp makes you know with the screen doors, and you go in, it's elevated wooden, like oh, thing yeah. with screen uh-huh. doors going out, so you're covered, you got a roof and everything, and that's catering, and we're sitting there, just like you know drinking our water, and uh, just kind of it's real surreal watching these bands come in here and there and sit down and eat like Anthrax and. You're not bothering anybody, you know. There's a Slipknot guy here and there. And there is, uh, because it's Oklahoma, here's the thing. If you've never been to Oklahoma, 
they actually had on the refrigerator and catering a big sign that says, please do not curse on stage or you will be subject to fine and possible arrest. When Motorhead went out for their set (laughs) and they played uh, Going to Brazil, which actually is a song that I really like by them, but it's never left their set. And that's curious to me. Like, it's an unpopular song from 1916. And it's like the only reason they play it still is because that's the one song they played on The Tonight Show when they got to play. Oh, yeah. Weird. (laughs) For 1916. There is a line in the song that says, uh, uh, talking about its relatives, like, Crazy Joe and Pappy had to travel second class. They ain't too fucking happy. When they did that song that day, Lemmy actually muted himself. And I'm sitting here going, you mean to tell me that they would have noticed whether you said the F word or not on stage? (laughs) Do you realize how little people can understand Lemmy when he sings live? He would have gotten away with it. But even Lemmy was like, no, I'd rather have the money. Yeah. Like, he wouldn't have gotten caught. Like, that'd be like Rob Zombie no, no, getting no, no, fined right. for saying the F word. <laughs> I just thought that was great. Even actually, John Cougar got away with it back in the 80s. Yeah, I actually paid attention during the song going, eh, that's watch, right. he'll, he'll do it. And that's then he okay. didn't. And I he was didn't. shocked. Yeah, well, I was totally shocked. Hey. Okay. Moving on. Motorhead, hey, we were talking about Judas Priest. <laughs> yeah, Motorhead didn't play the S Festival, but Judas Priest did. Not but they that, should have. Yeah, they should have. Not only that, uh, but there was these two fake Marshall stacks below the drum riser <laughs> that, uh, yeah. I think it was below the drum riser. It was, that, uh, yeah, because the drum riser was like, I don't know, 16 like, feet yeah. off the actual stage. Yeah. By the way, is there a less metal-looking person in the history of metal than Dave Holland? <laughs> is, is that his name? Uh, yeah, 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 Dave Holland. Yeah, the, drummer? The, yeah, the drummer from that era of Jesus The predator Christ. of the band? Yeah, the predator. Yeah. We'll, we'll smooth over that. We'll let you read that about that because I don't want to even want to get started. Yeah. But I, I like when he got busted, though. Like They interviewed, I think it was Glenn Tipton, and he goes, dude, I haven't seen him in 15 years. Right. Why are you asking me about right. him? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, and we have a better drummer now anyway. So right. Whatever the fuck. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he looked like he was nervous yeah. almost. <laughs> it's like I was up there playing his, the drums. His, on, on, on the clips that we saw, it yeah. was... Uh, his drum stool looked to be like about a foot higher than his actual kit. So <laughs> it's like Ringo in the uh, "Hello Goodbye" video. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, they were certainly at a peak at this time, though. This was they were promoting was "Screaming it, for Vengeance." At this yeah, time, "Screaming for Vengeance" so. is what they were doing. So and it's not in audio form, but if you get the 30th anniversary of "Screaming for Vengeance," the bonus DVD is actually the full S Festival. Oh, is it really? So there's a there's a great shill for the screen for vengeance huh. reissue. So go get that. Uh, they 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 had a great set list that day. Look at that. We got Electric Eye, Riding on the Wind, Heading Out to the Highway, Metal Gods, Breaking the Law, Diamonds and Rust, Victim of Changes, Living After Midnight, Green Manalishi, Screaming for Vengeance. You got another thing coming in Hellbent for Leather. Can have you seen a better pre-set list and uh, like condensed like that? I I don't know. I don't know <laughs> that I could. But uh, yeah, well that that's that that's great. The only right the only thing I would add would be the next album. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Yeah, I'm and, gonna I'm gonna and bre- some of painkiller. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sort of out of respect to Priest, almost I'm gonna break the law just a little bit for this double shot. Oh, but mainly just because I have two really good live versions of these from the uh, I think it's from the Mythology. Uh, but off of that box set that I believe is called Metology, if I'm saying it right, <laughs> uh, it's it's really good. It's it's the best 101 for Priest you could possibly have. 
Well, they even have ripper tracks on there. Yeah. Well, is, hey. Yeah. Oh, hey. Hey. You know, whatever. Uh, but these are two of my personal favorites. Oh, and, this is a double shot. Yeah, we're gonna do a double shot here once again. Here's some Judas Priest. We're gonna start off with Devil's Child. Good song. Which hey, it's from Ex- Screaming for Vengeance. So yeah, why not? It is. And one of my personal favorites, or one of my personal fa- my personal favorite Priest album, believe it or not, uh oh, is is actually Point of Entry. So we're gonna play. Wow, I had no idea, Joey. Yeah. So we're gonna play after uh, Devil's Child. We're gonna do a little hot rocking. So. Because <laughs> you wanna go. Yeah, oh, I do.
All right, there you go. Like I said, uh, bre breaking my uh, rule here, but two songs that Priest did not play that day at the US Festival, but they definitely released them at that point. So there you go. That was a little Devil's Child and Hot Rockin'. Uh, just an excuse for me to play those and their live <laughs> tracks. So hope you enjoyed those out there. Let me know what your Priest opinion is. There you go. Joey at cnjradio.com. Do you like Point of Entry? Do you not? Do you... Uh... Fifth color. Yeah. Were you at the US Festival? I'd like to know that too. Wow. There's got to be somebody out there that was there. Or, or maybe you know somebody who was at the US Festival. There you go. Even if you just know somebody. They your probably... uncle. They probably have some fun stories. Your drunk uncle. Yeah, there you go. I think everybody had one of those. I sure as hell did. I uh, did not. I did. But uh, moving on here. <laughs> uh, a band that I actually, I gotta say, my fandom of this band has actually increased uh, a lot over the years. I just think they're a really consistent band. I think they have one of the most appealing sounds in rock history. I really do. We're going to talk about the Scorpions. Scorpions! Scorpions! Uh, touring off a shit-hot record, Blackout, at this yeah. time. So, And they were just about to put out their most successful album, even after that, uh, Love at First Sting. But, uh, like I said, they're, they're touring on Blackout. That's a great record. Go get that. My goodness. So, I don't know what else to say. I've, I've seen this, the Scorp set from Us Festival. They could have gone out there and played two hours and, and stole the show in there. You wouldn't have even needed a headliner that night. Uh, so I think they wore a lot of people out even before the headliner got out there. Yeah. In my opinion. I was too. checking to see if they had played uh, Texas Jam. <laughs> they played Monsters of Rock Texas Jam in 88. 85. They played, oh, they played Texas Jam in 85, also? yeah. Yeah, because the Texas Jam in 88 was the Monsters of Rock Yeah, tour, that was right. And they, but, they, I mean, they previous, previous to, I mean, because to me, Us Festival was like Texas yeah, Jam, but yeah. without all the wussy new wave stuff yeah, yeah. i mean that's I, i'm not right. saying that because i don't like new wave I, I or know. any of that but yeah. that was i mean texas jam was much more yeah much more rock oriented judas well, priest played the texas jam i think yeah. or maybe that was a monsters of rock let's talk about the 88 show uh, technically scorpions headlined that day because that was the infamous show where sammy hager had to cancel because he went out there and his voice just went away yeah like He's, after so like, Three or four songs or something like if that. If that even, I mean, he was like, he had to wave up. He's like, I've never done, I read his book recently. He's like, I've never had to do that ever. For some reason, my voice was just gone. So Scorps actually kind of headlined that day yeah. after Dokken and Metallica mm -hmm. and Kingdom Come. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, Scorpions, they've played a few Texas jams. and uh, Yeah, I was know. looking to see if they, they were playing that one. I'm looking and. Yeah. 82, 83. Yeah, they didn't play that year. Yeah, yeah. Triumph did, though. There you go. If I'm booking a festival, I'm definitely inviting the Scorpions. Cause yeah. I saw them. The last time I saw them was uh, a few years ago, actually, with NOLA at Rockin' America at said place where I saw Mayhem mm -hmm. at the uh, Zoo Amphitheater in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And Scorpions just killed, man. It was great. Scorpions and, did play 85 Texas Jam, by the oh, way. But I think nice. that was Monsters of Rock. Okay. Go on. But, but uh, they were... They were just great. They they've never. I've seen them a couple of times now. I saw them. Uh, actually, I saw them with Alice Cooper, and they headlined that day because mm -hmm. Alice was doing a mini tour, and they were doing the Pure Instinct tour. It was like '96, I want to say. Yeah. And then I saw them open for Motley in '99, and which that sounds weird. It was it was weird, but they were touring under an. Was album. it a co-headline thing? It was. Yeah. It was, they were saying it was co-headline, and they definitely played a headline set. 
Yeah. But it was eye to eye, which is like their weirdest record. Let's see, we have 20 years of records. We have one hour. <laughs> yeah. It was like they were touring that eye to eye record, and it's got that kind oh. of like kind of almost I don't, I don't want to say industrial influence, but there was a little bit of that on there. And it was a weird show because they played I think exclusively songs from that for the first four or five songs. Yeah. It was like it was brutal. I mean, I felt bad for him because nobody was standing up. And then all of a sudden they they go into the zoo. Everybody, uh, everybody yeah. gets on board. Yep. But it was just a weird show. But when I saw them a few years ago, they've never sounded better. They were so good. Yeah. And I love that they're still doing it. I mean, I realize they say they're hanging it up, but now they're doing that thing where it's like, well, we're just not well, going to tour know. as long. <laughs> and good, because they still sound amazing. If you are a fan of buying concerts uh, to own or whatever, go get the Blu-ray of Scorps Live in 3D, uh, the the whatever get your sting and blackout tour whatever that is <laughs> but that is a great you've seen it yeah how great yeah it's they, actually really good it looks great it sounds great yeah you know watching a scorp show in 3d is is pretty fun it's kind of weird and uh but yeah like i said they sound excellent so go see the scorpions if you've never seen them even to this day go yeah. see them and like i said let's play something from what i consider also one of the greatest live albums of all time a little worldwide live how about uh Huge no one record. like you Oh wow! I do that. Yeah, yes. Right. I had to think about what, what was on that that dates to the time, but yeah. Yeah, and they've made a great video for that live album. Uh-huh. For this. So there's two videos for No One Like You. <laughs> uh, I think the live one's better. I even think the version is better. Yeah. Honestly, so here you go. Good stuff from the great worldwide live. This is the Scorpions. Scorpions with No One Like You.
right, there you go. That was little Scorpion. 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 From no Germany. one like you. Klaus is I is is really like after the ones that people always talk about. Rob Halford, Bruce Dickinson. Is there anybody better than Klaus? I, I for my money, I don't think there is. You know, he, he was he was kind of fun though. I, I mean, where the other guys had sort of theatrics. Yeah. He was he seemed like sort of like the fun boy. Yeah, he's the fun kind of, guy out of out of that, but he he had the range and yeah. he's definitely closer personality wise to Bruce because yeah. Bruce will get up on the band's knees and stand up and go yeah right right but uh, yeah yeah they they but, certainly had their the the this running all over the stage having a good time yeah. sort of thing and and getting getting like a, enough decent let's say metal credibility while pretty much just songs about fucking. You know, like that's pretty much the Scorpions. You know, they were more of they were they were the sex-starved metal band. You know, right? And they're German. What do you want? As the Germans. As the Germans. So there you go. If you don't have if you don't have Worldwide Live, then do yourself a favor. That's fun. It's it it, it's a good record. It's packed up. Yeah. Or even just Deadly Sting, the the double disc best of. Yeah. That's one of the best best ofs you're ever gonna find. That is a good one of anybody. Yeah. So all right. Uh, Moving on here, Logan. We got. The headline band still to talk about. We referenced them, uh, I think, a few times on the last episode. A uh, band that uh, had, uh, man, whoever was representing them at the time as management definitely did their job. Yeah. Uh, a band that uh, once they found, they, they had a contract that nobody would be paid more than them right. to play us festival. That was the agreement because they were off tour. And so when you're off tour and you're making a record, right. you get to make ridiculous demands to not play your show. Right. Just <laughs> the green M&Ms. Yeah, I guess that was the case here. I actually found out, according to the article in Spin that I referenced that I read a few days ago, that Bowie took $999,999 as opposed to Van Halen's million that was being offered. Oh. But then when The Clash made the stink, <laughs> they got up to a million, so shit started getting weird. So Van Halen supposedly made 1.5 million. Wow! Uh, for the two hours of work they did that. And night. let's see, the weekend lost 12 million. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Sounds about right. I get it. So, <laughs> uh, Van Halen go out there. They've. Uh, I showed you that picture also where it says it's Van Halen's backstage area, and there's a sign that Dave made that says "Beyond this point, no virgins or right. Journey fans." Or Journey fans, yeah. <laughs> They've basically just been there all day, drinking. Drinking, and that's one of the last things you want Van Halen to do is to sit back and it's just drink weather. booze all day long, before they have to go and headline your show. What? Because they're probably on stage like like nine thirty, ten o'clock. I was going to say after nine at least. Yeah. Yeah, so every day ran about two hours behind it by the by the time. And considering because record. what this was, what they were four albums in. Yeah, this was just after this was after Diver, Diver Down, Down and before 1984. Came yeah, uh huh. And David just been on this like apparently like six week excursion out of New Guinea, according to him. <laughs> and somebody literally dropped in and be like, "Are you David Lee Roth?" <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Come with me. To, you need to get back home now. You have a show to play. We have a show in a week. He's like, F you. He's like, you're going to get like a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> That's apparently what went down. Yeah. And uh, they go out there and I, 
I've I've watched quite a few pro shot in house versions of Van Halen live shows of David Lee Roth at this point. Yeah. This is the first one I've seen to where I'm like, you know what? I think I would rather have Eddie drive me home. <laughs> I've never seen Dave that hammered. Dave has been hammered on quite a few stages during his career, but no, doubt. no more than this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he was he was definitely lit. Yeah. Quite quite well lit. Yeah. And, and no more do you... You don't even need to watch the whole show if you don't want to, just to get that impression. Because it's it's worth it just for... Romeo's Delight. Romeo's Delight, the first song. song. He goes out there, and he, he kind of gets through the first verse. Get to the second he, verse. He did fine on the first verse. Yeah, he did all right. You're, I mean, you're even like two... Just a little over two minutes into the song. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And he starts off the second verse, gets a few words out, and then he... The, the, kind of. You can see the look on his face. The screen just goes blank, <laughs> and he waits for the. He waits for at least he's a pro. He waits for that downbeat. Yeah, and then he just yells out to the crowd, "Hey, guess what? I forgot the fucking words." Does it right like like he's yeah. singing along? Yeah, I forgot the fucking words. The crowd is like, "Yeah, yeah, I did too." We don't know the words. Yeah, either. what is this song? This is a hard song to sing. Yeah, you know. One of my favorites, but uh, yeah, was... they just go out there and. But you know, I mean, the rest of the show they sounded fine, but of course, they also had that great jab that Dave took at the Clash at some point, and he grabs his bottle of Doom and says, "You know, this. I just like to take this time out to say this is real whiskey. The only people that put iced tea in their whiskey bottles are the Clash." And then it goes right into song. Yeah. I'm sure the promoters loved it. Yeah, I'm sure that they did. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you can find any footage on Dave from that day being interviewed by MTV, especially, it's it's pretty funny because you can already see the wheels turning. Uh, <laughs> like him and Mark Goodman are hammered talking to each other. Wow. Oh, it's just fun Can't stuff. Can't imagine. But, yeah, it's Mark it's, Goodman should come on the show. There you go. That would there be a go. fun interview. That would be a good. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. I'd have him on. Uh, <laughs> would you? I would. Okay. Yeah, yeah I would. Uh, but it, it's, you know, it's one of the longest shows they've ever played. Like I said, they were getting paid a million five, so they're like, hey, let's just play everything we've got. And they pretty well, much. I think like, we looked at the set list. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It's two hours and 15 minutes or something like right. that. Right. Everything you'd want to hear from those first four records, it was it was phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, then they went into the studio shortly after that and put out an album that would take over the world, 1984. Mm-hmm. Yep. Greatness. So here you go. Um, I have no live audio of Dave and Van Halen, so we're just gonna we just picked off the set list here. Uh, I pick, we're gonna play said uh, Romeo's Delight <laughs> and from tribute great, to uh, yeah the great women not and remembering children. the words exactly women and children first and uh, a request from Randy, host of the Synaptic, hey. who set in with us on part one. He wanted to hear this one, so here you go, Randy. After Romeo's Delight, you're also gonna hear from Van Halen too. Somebody get me a doctor. There you go.
Somebody get me a shot, Logan. Ah. Or at least get you one because I'm I'm not. I'll take your shot. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, there you go. That was Van Halen, some vintage Van Halen with Romeo's Delight and Somebody Get Me a Doctor. I saw them on the 2004 Sammy reunion tour, actually, also. Yeah. Uh, And then Michael Anthony actually took the lead vocal on that. And that was probably the best thing about that show because that wasn't a great tour. It was actually heartbreaking for me to watch Eddie in that state because that was the lowest Eddie ever got being reduced to not even getting through something like eruption, something he could probably play in his Ugh. sleep, but apparently he can't play it in his sleep. Uh, and he just, it was like a Neil Young, Kurt Cobain, like just laying on the ground, feet back so low, and I was watching my hero die in front Better of me. Better to burn out than to fade away. I huh? guess, man. It was such a heartbreaking thing. But then we went and saw him on the first Roth reunion tour. Yeah. And... It was his birthday. Wolfgang on bass. Yeah, with Wolfgang on bass. It was Eddie's birthday that Eddie's day. Eddie's birthday. And it was like night and day. For it the last should have been, and and it it could have been the, one of the most kick-ass things. But man, that crowd was oh. just geriatric. Yeah, we talked about that. I, I, we I talked about I, that one of the last times you were on. Yeah, and, uh, we were in the nosebleeds. So and disappointed. We were the only one standing. And uh, you know, you're you're yeah. talking about like the the. The fun party, yeah, the hard party rock band, band yeah, from much. from the eighties, yeah. uh, you know, and they're they're throwing it right in your face, man. Yeah. We got Jamie's crying, every hit. We got Panama, yeah, everything. We got everything, and we're just you know, uh, unchained, yeah. uh, all of it, yeah, all the way down to fools. And and boy, Romeo's I tell you what, alive. whenever you're sitting down, fist pumping to the yeah. song, you're dead. You're dead. Inside. You're dead to me. Yeah, I spit but, on you. Yeah, and the, the other thing that didn't help the show is that the sound in the arena is terrible. Yeah. American Airlines is a horrible place it's to see not, a show. It's not really the... You have to be on the floor. I've been on the floor for it. It sounds way better, yeah. but the, the, the house well, even, mix even, is Even one of those lower bowls, yeah. that, that place is just the way that the, those upper levels, there's mm-hmm. a point to where they just shouldn't even... It's just bad They echo. shouldn't even sell those tickets just, just to put people in seats. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I hate that I can't think about that show without thinking about the horrible crowd. Yeah, it, it's disappointing, but uh, I can't wait to go back and see them. I, I, I am Hopefully. had just no money for that last tour, and I'm so mad because they looked like they were just playing amazing on yeah. that tour. And but yeah, always the consummate party band, and what better band to close the US Festival yeah. than than Van Halen? And and in their practically their hometown. Yeah, oh, close yeah, enough to sure. their hometown for sure. Uh, if if you haven't uh, heard the Joe Rogan podcast with David Lee Roth on there, it's like three and a half hours. It's amazing. Yeah. And they talk about some of those early shows that they play. He goes, we used to go play wet t-shirt contests and, <laughs> and these little warehouses over by the, the the river, you know, the beach. Oh, okay. And uh, some guy was like, I know exactly what street you're talking about. He goes, like, there's nothing but car dealerships over there. And then one of my favorite Dave lines of all time now, he's like, we cut the trees down. To put up neighborhoods and name the neighborhoods after the trees. <laughs> oh, that's he's the best interview that's, ever. That that is pretty funny stuff, though. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I hope Dave does a Roth Show podcast about the US Festival because I would I, I'd be interested to hear his side of the story Ugh. on all of that. Yeah, and uh, defend his performance, or maybe not defend his performance. You think anybody else? Re- you think he remembers it? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a blackout day, actually. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, 
<laughs> pretty sure it is. Uh, but that would be interesting to see over the years if they actually officially release some of that stuff, including the Van Halen set. That would be yeah. interesting. Uh, but I'd like, I'd like to see it all. I'd like a box set out. So Rhino, if you're listening, or Shout Factory, actually. Shout Factory. Shout Factory is the one that's been putting these things out. So apparently they're the ones that are in charge of this project. So put it all out. We'll buy it all. And Joey will buy it. Yeah. Logan will I'll look at it. it. Come over and watch it. <laughs> uh, but yes, please legit buy your stuff. And I want to thank everybody that we played here on the show today. I want to thank Logan especially for coming on and having some fun with me once again. Thanks for having me. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can always interact with me and let me know what you think about these shows or uh, your opinions, your favorite tracks, your least favorite tracks. Go to cnjradio.com. You'll see the link to the Facebook, the iTunes feed, the Twitter, the email, joey at cnjradio.com. And do that. And while you're over there, definitely check out the flagship, the Wrestling House Show. A lot of episodes on there to listen to. Got some big specials coming up for that soon, so stay tuned. Also, the consistent and awesome true alternative, Randy Brown at the Synaptic. Check that out on cnjradio.com as well. He's It's great. I'm really enjoying the show. Everybody should be listening. At least get an education on what you're not hearing. So... There you go. I want to thank you for tuning in to the show here today. i got some big plans coming up for the show. I, I think I have a guest booked. Uh, my second guest. Uh, like I'm talking someone that's actually recorded a record. Whoa. So uh, or, or, or ten. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking very forward to this. It's somebody you may not be expecting, but I think this guy's Desert Island list is going to be something. So I, I can't wait. And I know you know who it is, Logan, so thanks for not spilling the bean. But, uh, do I? Yeah, you do. Okay. So... Anyway, keep uh, stay tuned. That's going to be a couple episodes down the road here, but uh, check it out. Tell your friends. Get on the bandwagon, cnjradio.com. Thanks a lot, everybody. Check you later. Check you later. Hey, man. Hey, Girls man. don't want to be hearing that stuff. <laughs> You've got to fucking be kidding me!